Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is June 9th, 2019. 91 days to kick off. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> it was a quiet weekend. Yeah, not a whole lot of Bucks news going on, but we got some things to say. First, I want to get some fact checks, some follow-ups out of the way. Fact check. Molly was wrong. We'll just leave it there. Uh, Ryan Smith did not have an interception against the Steelers. That was Justin Evans who had a beautiful interception. Oh, okay. And then Justin Evans went and totally shit the bed against the Bears the next week. So Ryan Smith did have an interception against the 49ers in week 12. Okay. So I got one injured cornerback confused with another injured cornerback. Yes. And then we have a Ryan Smith, a Justin Evans, and then an Evan Smith. Well, these common names are very confusing. A Smith, an Evans, a Mike Evans, an Evan Smith. I tell you, it's crazy to keep trying to keep up with all this mess. That's one of the things I hate about every time, every year when the year starts over, especially when you get a new coach. They end up changing up all the players and everything, and you just got to remember all these new people. Just got finished remembering all the last guys. Follow up. It was a Target parking lot that Kellen Winslow Jr. was caught masturbating in. Not a Wendy's or a Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) That was really important fact check there. Like I said, slow news. (laughs) Uh, That happened in 2014 when he was with the Jets. That's not to say he's never jerked it in a Wendy's or Taco Bell parking lot. Chances are probably pretty good. Did you see where the jurors sent the judge a note? That was... A little sad, disconcerting. The note said, The jurors could benefit from an explanation as to what being under oath means. Additionally, how should we follow the law and not what we think the law should mean? (laughs) (laughs) uh, What are we doing? And Did you see the handwriting of that? It looks like it was really bad. It looks like it was written by like a fifth grader. And they misspelled additionally. (laughs) I don't... Hey, got to have faith in the justice system. I mean, that's some good jury selection on the defense's part. But they're in there. That was on their third full day of deliberations. He's going to go to prison for a long time. There's just no getting out of it. See, to me, that note says they don't, they're probably not going to prosecute. No. They're not going to convict him. There's no way. Well, they don't know what being under oath means, <laughs> and then they don't know how should we follow the law and not what we think the law should mean. Sounds like you know, they I, probably got one person who's like, I don't think we should convict, and then the rest of them are trying to explain to that person why they're wrong. You know, I bet ever since 12 Angry Men came out, which that was an old black and white movie with... We watched that in my civics class. Great movie. But I bet ever since that movie comes out, every jury has got to be the one person going, I don't think he's guilty. They've got the one guy. The one guy. You got to be that guy. I think it would be me. I've never been on a jury. I got called up in our city when I was due with our daughter. And they how it works there is they call you up for a month. You have jury duty and you call in. And if they you're in like a group number and if they call your number... You have to appear. And so... You were like, you want me having this baby in your courtroom? Right. So I'm huge and pregnant and I call up and they say, okay, we need a doctor's note and then we can delay it for a few months. So I got it like three months later. My doctor's note said that I... I'm pregnant. No, it said I had a condition or she's under internment or something <laughs> weird. It was a really weird way to phrase it. Mm. 
In any case, I never got called up, which was disappointing. Follow up. Bruce Arians joined the Steelers the same year as Big Ben was drafted. I told you. Arians was the wide receiver coach. That's what I thought. I don't think he had anything to do with help pick Ben Roethlisberger, though. I'm not sure. Okay, probably not, but... You just want to be right. Yeah, I was kind of right. I don't really remember what I said. Follow up. When we were talking about players with the most egregious penalties, we brought up Deshaun Goldson, and Molly asked if he was still in the league. The answer to that is nope. His last season was 2016 with the Falcons. So he had two less years than Sue over that time period and still had more, by far, egregious penalties. Avantes Perfect, however, was still in the league last year, but he was drafted in 2012. Again, two fewer years than Sue over the last nine years, and he still had more egregious penalties. So like I said, if you didn't listen to the last podcast, Sue isn't even in the top ten of bad penalties. Mike Evans has more unnecessary roughness penalties than Sue. Okay, DeJon Golston is a safety. What's Vontae's perfect? Is he a linebacker? I think so. I just found it funny that, you know, Sue's got this reputation, in quote marks, as a dirty player, but yet he has fewer fouls than a lot of people in the league. Who weren't even in the league as long. Yeah, and Jenna Lane wrote that article saying he has the most penalties in the league at 71. Yeah, 41 of them were offsides. Ridiculous. Fact check. I had said that Sue was voted dirtiest player in 2002 once during last podcast. That was a brain fart. It was 2012. (laughs) I had been saying 2012, and then somehow I just crapped out 2002. Oh, and I wanted to add to the anti-McCoy list. (laughs) You You just never stop thinking about this. It's never going to be finished. You know what? I think you're going to be on your deathbed, take your last breath, and say, where was McCoy in the fourth quarter? And then you're just going to croak. <laughs> no. And then I, maybe you'll revive yourself and think of one other thing. If anything, I would be on my last breath deathbed going, what really happened on that plane trip to Chicago with Chicago <laughs> in London in 2011? That's my big mystery right there. Going to find out one day. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do some investigative journaling. <laughs> Sounds, like, Sounds like something you do on group therapy. <laughs> investigative diary. <laughs> uh, but I had, you know, talked about why some people, myself included, were happy to see McCoy leave. And the media is just having a really hard time understanding. And their reasons for it have nothing to do with my reasons for it. And they're just, I don't know where they're pulling. They're just assuming crap. They're not talking to the people who are happy about it. But one of the things that I had left out was what Molly just alluded to. You know, he never made big plays when he needed. Gosh, I could count on one hand how many times McCoy showed up in the fourth quarter and made a play that was... I mean, the guy was in 142, 148 games, something like that. And if you can only count a handful... I mean, honestly, I can only think of three games where McCoy made a difference in the fourth quarter. Most of the time he just... But I could tell you uh, 20 games where we needed somebody to make a play in the fourth quarter to stop a drive or something, and it just didn't happen. So, Yeah, so to add that to my list. While we're talking about McCoy, did you see his introductory press conference with the Panthers? I did not. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny because I watched, I watched his press conference, and then I went, that was really Gerald McCoy. And so then I went back and I watched Ndamukong Sue's press conference with the Buccaneers. God, it was light, night and day. And then I watched Sue's press conference with Miami Dolphins. And again, night and day. Sue is just so business. 
Yeah. You know, he's not up there cheesy grinning and cracking jokes and all that stuff. He's, but, you know, I mean, he gives good answers, very good answers, thoughtful answers. Anyhow, McCoy, you know, he comes up there and he had a 22 minute long press conference. Sue's with the Bucks was 14 minutes. Wow. Yeah. But McCoy, he comes out and immediately gives a statement thanking people. Like he was at the Oscars or something. You know how they get up there and they say, yeah. I'm going to thank my mom and my agent. And, you know, all that. that's what he was doing for like the first four minutes of this press conference. It's very strange. It was just a dichotomy between the two. I mean, we all know they're two different people personality-wise, but that was just really stunning. You know, I mean, McCoy came out there dressed, you know, he had all these gold chains on and he had this nice outfit and he had his hair done and he was wearing like sunglasses or something. And Sue looks like he had just walked off the practice field. You know, he's wearing like a workout shirt. Hey, you know how you can uh, tell someone's a vegan? How? Wait two minutes. They'll tell you all about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a common thing me and Molly say all the time because there's so many things where people are like that. It's like, hey, do you know how somebody, how to tell if somebody doesn't watch TV? How? Wait two minutes. They'll tell you all about <laughs> it. Well, anyhow, McCoy gets up there with his statement. And at the one minute and 55 mark, you'll never guess what he started talking about. His diet? Being a vegan. <laughs> so funny, I like, just don't understand how when you have to maintain so much muscle mass, you can eat enough vegetables to be able to sustain that. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you can't even eat cheese or yogurt or anything that would give you any kind of substantive protein. I don't know. I'm not a nutritionist, but it just doesn't seem like a great idea. Yeah, being a vegan is you don't eat any animal products, right? Correct. Gosh, I couldn't even go through life. I couldn't even make it a day. Meat and bread. Molly knows this. I mean, if I eat any meat, which I eat meat all day long, that's what I have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner just about, I have to have bread with it. Because to me, it's just, I don't know, the flavor. It just makes the meat pop. You can't even eat butter. And really, if you're a very strict vegan, I mean, you can't eat stuff like biscuits because that's got eggs in it or butter. Oh, my gosh. Just shoot me in the face. um, Pasta. It's crazy. I don't. To me, it would be almost impossible to be out somewhere and maintain your diet. I don't know. I think it's silly, but hey, to each his own. D- did you see that golf cart video that they did? They put that up on the Panthers' website. I don't know. Anyhow, Jerry McCoy, after his press conference, goes around the facility in a golf cart with one of the reporters. Who was that guy? I don't know. I think part of the marketing team or the media team for the Panthers. But we don't know who he was. No. Okay. And they just drive around in this golf cart and just talk. I think it was a seer, a recurring series that they do. Yeah, it was very, very strange. But, hey, that's what McCoy likes. He loves the camera. So yeah, he got the grand tour. Interesting things. You know, I talk about agents a lot. Oh, can I just say really quick? The that, Peter Report. Yeah, the yeah. Peter Report. Okay. So I'm listening to Peter Report, and they're talking about the McCoy thing. I think this was a few episodes ago. And... They say how they all have sources in the media, and a lot of times agents become their sources. And there are certain people that you know are full of crap, and certain people that are good, reliable sources give good information. They're still agents, so you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. But they brought up the figure that 10 teams were inquiring about. McCoy. And they were like, yeah, as soon as I heard that, I knew it was bull crap. They said, not that Ben Dogra is one of those guys that's full of crap. It's just that a whole number just sounds Yeah, which kind of find lot. out that was total BS. Right. A Ben Dogra, in case you don't know, that is Gerald McCoy's agent. 
Interesting stuff with him. I want to talk about this. Uh, ben Dogra used to work for a creative artist agencies out in California. They established the sports wing of their agency in, I think it was 2007. And Ben Dogra came on board along with Tom Codron and Jimmy Sexton. Now, these are the three probably most powerful football agents in the world. They represent all the big names. Well, Ben Dogra and Jimmy Sexton can't stand each other. So, business partners gone Yes, gone sour. Okay. Uh, Dogra ended up getting fired from CAA back in 2015 or 2016 for cause. Basically because he's a big jerk is what I've gotten out of the court documents and everything. You know, he just talks bad to people and cusses them out and all that good mess. Well, they fired him. And in the arbitration, because he sued them for money that they owed him, in the arbitration, it was found out that Jimmy Sexton informed NFL player Dante Fowler Jr. and his father that Dogra abused drugs, which was the supposed cause for his termination at CAA. So basically, Jimmy Sexton got him fired from CAA. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Now, Fowler, Dante Fowler, was being recruited by Dogra, but ended up signing with Sexton. Ooh. Now, Dante Fowler. Double crossing there. Yeah. Dante Fowler submitted a declaration in the arbitration affirming that Sexton said Dogra was on drugs and that Dogra refused to go to counseling. Now, Sexton, his assistant, testified that none of that was ever uttered. Uh, Dogra made a claim for defamation in the arbitration based on Sexton's alleged statements as well as CAA's notification. Uh, CAA sent the NFL players, NFL League Players Association notice of his firing and why he was being fired and the uh, NFLPA ended Dogra's contract. He was not allowed to represent NFL players. In Whoa. The league. Yes. For, so from 2016 to last year, 2018, he's not been able to represent players. He finally got his certification back and all this. And CAA has ended up having to pay him quite a bit of money for illegally firing. <laughs> Funny thing. Uh-huh. You'll never guess who Jimmy Sexton's eight or who Jimmy Sexton represents. Who? The Damakonga Sue. Oh. Ooh. Yep, has represented him since the day he was drafted. So this sounds like it's a little personal. Yep, it could have been a coup going on there. Yo, you'll never guess who else Jimmy Sexton represents. Mike Evans. Nope, okay. he's on the Panthers. Cam Newton? I don't know, but that's not who I'm thinking. Don Terry Poe. Oh. Yeah, so that'll be interesting. Huh. Yeah. But I wonder how much... How personal it gets. I mean, clearly between Ben Dogra and Jimmy Sexton, that's probably very personal. But how much of that extends down to the players? Don't know. I would imagine quite a bit, though, because these guys have, you know, they're, as Peter Report was saying, they do a lot of dealings with the media about their players, you know, and they're with the coaches. They talk to ownership. I mean, they're a pretty integral part of these players' lives. I mean, Jimmy Sexton is one of the most powerful people in sports. He was Ranked 28th most powerful person in sports worldwide. Hmm. I think it was Forbes that did that, or uh, I can't remember. But do the players like have an allegiance to their agents to where it would impact how they treated their coworkers in the locker room? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm going to keep an eye on Poe and McCoy's relationship and see what goes on there. Yeah. But Jimmy Sexton, as I was saying, he's very powerful. He is the agent of the new GM for the Jets. He's the agent for the head coach of the Jets, Adam Gase. He's the agent of the quarterback, Sam Darnold there. Oh. That's going to be very interesting this year. I don't know if I've ever seen an agent have that much control over an organization. What are they going to do when Sam Darnold's contract is up? Yeah. He's going to have to deal 
That's a conflict of interest. You, you're going to have to yeah, deal with absolutely. the GM who is also a client. Right. To get a raise for your other client. Strange. Well, the Jets are a shit show anyhow. So. Right. And who's to say that GM will still be there? <laughs> <laughs> or the head coach. Rick Stroud had a great article. I'm going to say that. This is in the Tampa Bay Times. He's a beat writer for the Tampa Bay Times. Rick Stroud, <laughs> you know, we we crap on him a lot. We had a great article that he did with Bruce Arians. Bruce. Yeah, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce. I did, almost did it too. They, a lot of the organizations sat down with B.A. Peter Report did, mm-hmm. uh, Joe did. Bucks fan did. They had him on the podcast. Yeah. Yes. So if you get a chance to listen to any of those, I would recommend it. I've listened to the Peter Report one, read Rick Stroud's article. I haven't listened to the Joe Bucks fan one. I really like B.A., the way he answers questions. He doesn't give a bunch of B.S. He's not doing coach speak, you know. And I always seem to be able to get something from his, you know, but, from us reading his books and following him in Arizona and doing all the work we've done, just trying to find out as much as we can. I feel like I really know Bruce Arians a lot, but every time I hear him give an interview, I always find something else out. It's really fascinating. Uh, Rick Stroud did ask him some really good questions and BA gave him some really good answers. They asked him about who really stood out in training camp. Now we've heard him praise Rojo. We've heard him praise VH3. Uh, We've heard him praise other people. This is the first time I heard him say this. Here's what he said, quote, I'll tell you the guy that probably did better than anybody is, drum roll please, Damar Dodson. I love to hear this. I know. He said, I mean, he's competed harder. He's a pleasant, pleasant surprise. You know, a couple of the rookies, one of them tried to bull rush him, which we don't, we can't do, which we don't do. And he just put him on the ground and said, don't try that anymore. I loved it. I said, okay, Dot's in there. <laughs> End quote. Yeah, that was great. But it gave me real pause. And I even like talked to Molly about this. I said, did he say what I just think he said there? He says that one of them tried to bull rush DeMar Dotson. And then he says, which we don't do. Was that Bruce Arians saying we don't bull rush? No, I don't think there's any way. It's, yeah, because, I mean, true. it's Vita Vea and Sue's bread butter. Is yeah. No, I think it's just you don't do it in practice right now. I don't or know. Or at all. I don't know. Gave do me you, pause, though. Do you bull rush with the offensive line? Uh, yeah. Maybe it's just they can't have contact right now. They're not supposed to in OTAs. Might be. Yeah, and it might be that he was saying... Just saying it from DeMar Dotson's view, you know, we don't yeah. do that. You don't do that to me. I don't know. It's hard to tell in context with writing and what was actually being said. Yeah, saying. you but don't I hear just, the tone of it. I just can't see him telling Vita Vea that you can't bull rush because <laughs> right. that guy bull rushes like nobody. Yeah, no, I didn't get that. When I read that, that's not what I got out of it. When he was asked about the interceptions, Bruce Arian said, quote, I don't know if we've thrown one of those maybe, but when you start putting triangles together, it's touchdown, check down. Okay, where are my checkdowns? If you're going from deep to short, where's my intermediate? The top of the triangle to the checkdown. So it's learning where these guys are all coming from to build that triangle. Oh, there he is over there. The more repetition, the more you get it. End quote. I don't understand what he's talking about with the triangle. I don't either. Maybe he's, that's what they refer to it in the system. And it's like, you've got the two guys on the outside edge and one in the slot. And no matter where they are, they're going to make a triangle. Yes, I'm very interested to look at the game film and see if I can figure out what this triangle scheme is. One thing I've been wanting to do is go through all of his previous offensive coordinator and head coaching gigs and kind of plot out how he gets the receivers going. Because, you know, we read his book. He kind of lays it pretty out there. 
good. I can't talk to them. <laughs> and it's almost like a ladder thing. It seems yeah. like from what I've watched, it seems like he's always got a guy running close to the line of scrimmage, a short route. He's got a guy running a three to five yards out. Then he's got a guy going about 10 yards out. And then he's got a guy going deep. You know, so I don't, I want to see how this triangle thing plays out because it, it, it appears to be a pretty big thing in the offense. So I want to see what he's talking about there. He didn't mention it in his book. No, that's a new wrinkle, this yeah. triangle thing. Maybe it's just new terminology that they've developed in this system for maybe Jameis, or it was a holdover from Cutter. I don't know. Hmm. When B.A. was asked if he needed more veteran presence on the team, he said, quote, we're young and not afraid of it. Which is funny because he doesn't really like the young guys. Right. It reminds me of Raheem. Like, we're younger. Yeah. Uh, he says, we tried to get a veteran safety, but I'm not sure now he would have made our team. He was smart and would have gotten everybody lined up. But with the guys we're seeing out there right now, he can't run anymore. So you're kind of in this catch-22. I got this old smart guy who was lining everybody up, but he can't cover. So yeah, Todd Bowles is going to put them in position to be competitive. End quote. Who is he talking about there? I don't know. I swear, I think he's talking about Honey Badger. That was my first thought. Because I said... When we first got Arians, I was all excited because I was like, oh, Honey Badger's definitely coming with him. Well, J.C. Cornell tweeted today that we never had any intention of signing Tyra Matthew. They wanted him, but they couldn't afford him. Uh, well, maybe it wasn't him. But but then he says he was smart and would have gotten lined up, everybody lined up. But with the guys we're seeing out there right now, he can't run anymore. So he it can't. sounds like he's on the team. No, I think it's I think it, he's saying that he couldn't run as fast as the guys that we have now. Oh. That's what I got from it. Because our guys are just blazingly fast. Yeah. And whoever this is he's talking about, he's apparently just doesn't Slow. have the speed anymore. Yeah. When Aarons was asked about what does he think of the kicking competition between Matt Gay and Kyra Santos, he said, quote, we need to get some higher nets or Gay is going to knock a window out in the building. <laughs> he said, yeah. And Kyra has been strong and steady in his range. But that Gay kid, he's got some length with him and he's been very consistent. You never know until the bullets fly. Ooh. End quote. Yeah, it sounds like he's high on gay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was funny. So he's going to knock some windows out of the building. <laughs> yeah. Well, he got it stuck in the rafters at one point. Oh, he did? Yeah, remember that? Well, when we went to training camp last year, Brian Inger punted it to the ceiling. Yes. Like well, the first kick, too. Was it the first one? Because remember, everybody was like cheering him on and he yeah. kept doing it. And we were all, oh, and they finally did it and everybody applauded. Yeah, I don't remember. So that's very interesting. A lot of good stuff just from that little interview. And, you know, Rick Stroud did a pretty good job with the article. He didn't crap on BA or anything. He'll probably save that for his next article. It was a good one. But I think mostly because it had no interpretation by <laughs> Rick Stroud. It was just question and answer. <laughs> yeah. No opinions or talking heads in that one. But, you know, I, we talk a lot about how great this team is. I mean, we're biased. I ain't gonna lie. You know, we're on the hype train every preseason. We are on the hype train, but I'm the conductor, <laughs> and I really am excited about BA. I, I haven't been this excited about a coach probably ever, maybe since John Gruden. And I'm really excited about our team. I, we've got some really good players, and we've got some good weapons. You know, Mike Evans, of course, is just again second best receiver in the NFL. But saying all that. There are things that could go wrong, and there are things that we that I'm scared of. You know, one Donovan Smith. You know, if he doesn't step up his play to his contract numbers, it could be a disaster this year. You know, and especially if he does like what a lot of guys do once they get paid, 
you know, they ratchet it down a little bit. He, he can't afford to ratchet it down any. No, and I think Goody talked about it in his press conference and said with the amount that we're paying him, he's starting basically. I mean, he made it known that the contract number, what they're paying him, is an issue. I think it was ridiculous that they paid him that much money. If you listen to this podcast, you know. <laughs> it's not that... Okay, I want to clarify. He didn't say it was an issue, like they regretted paying him that much, but it's for him to bring it up in a press conference after it's a done deal, it's fresh in their mind. I think that they expect a lot of him because of it. They should. They absolutely should. They sh- I mean, Damar Dotson ain't making a fifth what Donovan Smith is making over on the other side, and Damar Dotson's a better player. And he's been playing longer. He's been with this team, what, 11 years? Okay, I'm going to play devil's advocate and say Jameis has been pretty successful. Despite? Despite this. Yes. He's better on the run. Mm-hmm. Our run game has suffered for it. Yeah. So there could be something to be said for that, that if they don't get our run game off the ground. I just worried that Donovan Smith's going to slack off and end up getting Jameis Winston hurt or something. I don't think they're going to let him do that. No, I think B.A. will bench him quicker than crap if he doesn't straighten up. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't care. It doesn't matter about your salary cap. B.A. don't play those games, I don't think. So we'll see. But that's one thing that does worry me. Uh, another thing, you know, we talk a lot of crap about Gerald McCoy and all this. Cause so, I mean, we might be wrong. I mean, the guy might be totally awesome. He might go to the Panthers and have, you know, a Hall of Fame career, for all we know. When he plays us week two and just light it up, and that could really destroy our whole season. Because if you take the the face of the franchise, the leader of the defense, all that whatever he's called, and you cut him, you basically disrespect him, which let's not let's not try to whitewash this. He was disrespected. They they kicked his butt as he was walking out the door. And then he goes to your division opponent and then starts playing well and then comes back and whoops your team's butt at the beginning of the season when you're still trying to get faith in your coach and all that good stuff, that could destroy a season. It could destroy the season. It definitely would be a deflator. Yes. Especially that early in the season. Just think, I mean, all these new rookies and you know players on the team seeing this and going, we just cut this guy? He just destroyed us. This coach doesn't, this coach and his GM don't know what they're doing. Is how I could see it playing out. It's not going to happen that way. I mean, we're going we're gonna to put a check on McCoy and all that. I'm just saying, <laughs> these are things... That not necessarily keep me up at night, but I have thought upon. Well, and what if his relationship with the locker room, like a lot of the guy, I know that we have theories about what he was in the locker room, but he's friends with a lot of these guys. I guess a lot of them were upset on Twitter when he got released. Levante David, I think Donovan Smith tweeted something. Donovan Smith took his money. (laughs) The reason why we didn't sign Jerry McCoy. Because we had to give Donovan Smith off his money. Yeah. So, again, if you want to be mad that Gerald McCoy's gone, point the finger at Donovan Smith. But there might be enough there where they like McCoy and... Kind of like a rebellion or something? Yeah. Or they just don't want to beat his ass. Well, they're on defense. They won't play. Oh, well, if Donovan well, Smith offense, is on offense. Yeah. yeah. You got anybody on the offense. It's like, oh, yeah, that's my friend. I don't know, man. From past... What I've seen, offensive linemen don't mind whooping up on Jerry McCoy's butt when they get a chance. Another thing I worry about is Bruce Arians phoning it in. Now, from everything I've read, the guy seems legit. You know, he didn't come here to just collect a paycheck and all that. But we don't know. I mean, the guy, he doesn't seem like a uh, hard worker. Yeah. He's not not a big fan of staying late 
you know, staying at the office till you know the next morning, or sleeping in the office, or having his coaching staff work overtime, or and from the training camp, you know, he cut just about every day short. <laughs> You know, and plus he's hired all of his friends. He's got, well, we got over 30 coaches. He's just being like a CEO now. He's just managing all these coaches. Right. So he might just phone it in. You never know. It might pull a Mike Smith on us. It's a possibility. It's possible. I don't think it is because I think he cares about his legacy. Yeah, I do too. And. You can't be a disciple of Bill Bear Bryant and you phone it in. Yeah. Well, I think he wants a Super Bowl as a head coach. He doesn't. He's got one as an offensive coordinator. Two, two. Yeah, he's got two, two rings mm-hmm. as offensive coordinator. Yes. So I think he wants his team to make it. Yes, I do too. And I mean, this is probably going to be his last shot. What is he? Sixty-two. To me, that's not that old. No, me neither. I thought everybody, he was older than that. Everybody talks. Maybe sixty-six. Might be sixty-six. I thought he was seventy. No, huh? he's in his sixties. He's 66 years old. His birthday is October 3rd, 1952. All right. Right after old World War II. So he's not that old to me. I think that, you know, once you get in the 74-year-old, that's when it starts. You worry about age with a coach. But look at Tom Coughlin. How old oh, is he? Oh, God. He's ancient. He's not a head coach anymore, though. I think they got a radiocarbon date him to find out when his birthday <laughs> is. Yeah, you know, and the trend is to go with the n- new young coaches. Yeah. I'm not a fan of that. I think that's a; those are the outliers, the Sean McVeighs and stuff. Normally, oh, absolutely. Normally, it doesn't work out. No, and I don't think that they've got the longevity. I think longevity in the NFL is really becoming an issue just all around, except for the quarterbacks. Seems like the quarterbacks are the only position in the NFL anymore that has any tenure to it. I mean, even GMs only last four or five years now. Yeah, it seems like, and head coaches are about the same. Not quarterbacks. God, we got quarterbacks that have been playing for 20 years. I know. 20 years. Tom Brady is. There's a few that are almost in their 40s. Ben Roethlisberger's been since, what, 2004? So 15 years? Yes. And so what, what is Peyton Manning? I mean, uh, Drew Brees. Yeah. He's been playing since, what, they were. They had dinosaurs on the field? <laughs> <laughs> is that when you watched it on your TV with three channels in black and white? Yeah, it is. With the rabbit ears? I remember seeing him with the game plan on a tablet, <laughs> but it was a stone tablet. <laughs> Drew Brees used to have his game plan on a stone tablet. It was called an IROC. Was uh, a football a dinosaur egg? How'd you know? <laughs> you seen clips? What are you talking about? We did, you seen cave paintings? <laughs> right. So we didn't have cameras back then. So I worry about, you know, maybe Arians phoning it in and... You know, it just seems to be an issue with Tampa. It has been for a long time where players and coaches seem to come here and they just phone it in. Yeah, we do have a lot of that. A lot of that. Another thing that worries me is injuries. The biggest one I'm worried about is Mike Evans. Ooh, that would be such a blow to the offense. Yeah. Well, to the whole team. I, th- I think Mike Evans is our most important player. I think Jameis Winston, you know, we saw Fitzpatrick replaced him and we did oh, okay. I think Blaine Gabbert could come in and do okay. We lose Mike Evans. Can't nobody replace it, Mike Evans. No. So that would that would be horrible. Uh, Vita Vea, O.J. Howard, you know, they're both young. They haven't been on the team too long, but they both had injuries during the season that has kept them out of multiple games. Yeah, I think with O.J., if he gets injured again this season, I would really question his future with the Bucks. Yeah. For me, I don't know that I'd want to keep him. I know, right? I mean, if you can't be on the field, right. I don't care how good you are. Yeah. 
And then we got our secondary. Oh my gosh, they were all banged up last year. Yeah. You know, VH3, he's got injury issues. I think that boiled down to coaching for several reasons. One, not do having contact in training camp. They didn't learn how to tackle properly. Which Bruce Arians, when he was asked if they were going to be tackling during training camp, he just laughed. He was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was like, we're going to, he said, you can't learn how to tackle unless you tackle. Right. But then I think a lot of guys quit on the team. Yeah. Well, we know, we definitely know Brent Grimes did. We know yeah. Deshaun Jackson did. And both of them ended up hurt. Right. But. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. Something I worry about is Jameis. Getting injured? Not getting injured, but I just, what's his future with the Bucks? I feel right, like yeah. it's really up in the air. Yeah, I think year. it's all hinging on this season. Yes, it is. And so if we see the same Jameis we saw last season, I don't know. But see, my issue with Jameis is he's broken every record we've had offensively. You know, and, that, and you look at Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy didn't break a single record. None. Nothing. Not a one. He holds no records with the Buccaneers. Okay, but how attainable are records for a defensive tackle? Like, what kind of record could he break? Tackling. Sacks. Sacks. Passes deflected. Interceptions. Safeties. Anything. There's all kinds of stuff they could do. But Jameis Winston has broken just about every offensive record for quarterbacks that we've had. And he, he plays good. Okay, but... To play devil's advocate again, who's he going up against? Who's the competition? Right, yeah. I mean, when Josh Freeman and Brad Johnson are your only two right. people you're competing against, yeah, kind of a low bar. But he's he does well, I think. He makes boneheaded decisions. He needs to learn how to read the friggin' field. I think that's his biggest problem. But I think a lot of that has to do with his offensive line. He's just kind of scared a lot. You know, he's gotten, what's it called, uh, happy feet? He's kind of skittish back there. He needs to learn how to just stay in the pocket until one of two things happen. You can't, or you see an opportunity to run for big yards. But he's just too quick to scurry, and he's leaving wide-open receivers down the field. So hopefully B.A. will get that straightened out with him, and I think if he does, then that'll that'll cure. James Winston will be our franchise quarterback. But like you said, this is it. This is the year. If he doesn't do it this year, he's gone. Yeah, and that's scary to me because then what the hell are we going to get? Yeah. You start from ground zero again, or Ugh. you get... Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert, <laughs> or Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, it's like... Oh, gosh, yeah. I'm sick of those quarterbacks. Josh McCown. Oh, yeah. Josh Johnson, Byron Leftwich. Like, can we not do this again? Yes. And even the ones we've drafted, like Mike Glennon. Ugh. Freeman. Yeah, what a disaster that was. Which is such a shame. He had such promise. That 2010 season was just beautiful. But but again, that one was a character issue. Yes, that should have been stopped in the locker room. Jameis, I'm not saying he has character issues, but he makes some dumb decisions off the field, too. He hasn't lately. Not past, lately. Past two years. Yeah. Come on now. I'm just saying. It's, right, yeah. It's you know, there. <laughs> he's got a history. The potential is there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think fatherhood really changes people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I think that he's matured a lot, so. Yeah, what was he, 19, 20 years old when he came in? Right, yeah. Come on. Yeah. I shouldn't have been allowed to have driven a car. And here he is driving a franchise, a multi-million dollar franchise. Yeah. Insanity. What else are you you worried about? How about Donovan Smith getting hurt? Here we are, we're talking about him not showing up. But, you know, that's one thing everybody says about him. He's been stable and consistent, but what if he gets hurt and he's out for the season? Oof. I don't even know what we would do. 
Wester? Put Wester over there? And we don't have him anymore. Really? Yeah, he signed with like you know who the be? Jaguars or somebody. It'll be Bubba. <laughs> What's his name? Beninock? No. Bubba? Oh, Boozer. Boozer. Cole Boozer. Cole Boozer. <laughs> I don't... We don't know what he's made of. So Nobody's ever seen him. He We've never heard anything about answer. him. But with a name like Cole Boozer, you got to be awesome. BA did indicate that we could bring in more offensive linemen for depth. Yeah, that's right. He did talk about yeah. that. And we got those uh, few guys that came in at the end of training camp. Right. I think so. we had two veteran linemen come in. Yeah. But yeah, we need somebody that can take Smith's place if he gets hurt. I think they know that, the coaching staff. Because, again, B.A. got burned at Arizona by injury mm-hmm. one year, and so he swore never to make that mistake again. Yeah. That's the whole reason for the two practices. Yeah, they have two sets of prepared teams. Yeah, that are in football shape that could just go in and get on the field. Mm-hmm. So, I worry about the running game. Do you? I do. Just be. I mean, we had... Peyton Barber last year, which I like Peyton. Yeah, I think he's highly underrated. I don't think that we should look to replace him. No. But I just hope that they are addressing it with the offensive line. I think they will. B.A. seems like he's come in, like he said, the secondary is fixed. Yeah. He obviously knew from last year secondary was a big issue. Yeah. You know, and I think he's paid attention to what the problems are. So he's addressing them. And I think I think this offensive line is just going to be totally different. It's going to be more tough, but it's also going and to be cohesive. simpler. Yeah, that's what they've said. They're kind of dumbing it down. For dumbing everybody. it down. Well, they said that they had the linemen last year pulling too oh, much. God, it was and crazy. It was complicated. Well, what? I think the same shit that they did with the secondary. They just made it more complicated than it needed to be. Got to dumb it down for these geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's just too many moving parts. Right. And then, you know, one thing goes wrong. One person doesn't know where they're supposed to be or they have a misstep or whatever, and it just throws the whole play off. You are correct in that. Especially with the offensive line. They just tried being too cute for the past three, four years. You know, Cutter was a clipboard carrier. He was all about theory and his scheme and plays. They just throw all that stuff out the window when you get punched in the face. And I think that the offensive line guys were just, like you said, they were they had too much going on. They had too many assignments to worry about. And he was having them run out and block in open field. Too much. And none of those guys are good at that yeah. that I saw. I mean, the guys were just walking right around them, basically. They just aren't good open field blockers. And we would do it all the time. So I think we're going to see much more you know, just staying between the tackles. And maybe there's something to be said for keeping everybody on the line. Yeah, you always want to do that. Yeah, I mean... What that consistency with Right, guys. and the cohesion. Uh-huh. So hopefully that'll make them... You know, they have another year working together. The right guard spot's still up in the air, but everybody else is pretty much set. Yeah, right guard spot's going to be interesting. I'd like to see that Earl Watford get it. Yeah. I like him. Well, I don't know how he plays. I still yeah. got to look at some game film of him, which he's another one of those where he played so sporadically... You know, it's it's hard to hunt down the game film on him. Yeah. Because unfortunately, with offensive linemen, they don't, you can't see in the play-by-play descriptions oh. if they're even in the thing. With a wide receiver or something like that, you could see if they've tackled somebody or they caught the ball so you know they're playing. But with a lineman, they could say, oh, he started this game or he was in this game, but you just got to find out where. Yeah. And so you have to go through each play and looking for him. That's a lot of work. It is. Labor of love. <laughs> I do worry about our schedule. Those first, yeah, 
That's going to be That's tough. Rough. And this is tough because, like I said, we're you know it's a new team, new coaches. I mean, these guys have got to have faith and confidence in each other. And if stuff starts going south yeah. quickly, it's just it could just all implode. It's not going to happen, though, guys. We're just sitting here. I don't think so either because I've had one boss manager who was really good at managing people who, when stuff went wrong, you could go to him or he'd come to you and maybe not solve the problem, but he would kind of be a vent, you know, be a valve. So I think BA, people who are good at managing other people, I think that's one of the things you have to be good at. I think BA is very good at managing people. Yeah. Which I think being a head coach, you have to be. That's a under-recognized skill set. Absolutely, yeah. Have we had one of those? <laughs> I can't think of one. Gosh, Dungey's the last one I can think of. Yeah. Maybe that's the mistake a lot of head coaches make, is they think too much about the football and not enough about the people. Yes, yeah, or they're insufferable jerks. <laughs> yeah. Married to their system. They just have bad personalities that grate on you. Yeah. Gruden. <laughs> I can think of a few head coaches since then, too. Yeah, Lovey. Yeah. Shiano. Yeah. Raheem was cool, though. Go out to the strip clubs with the players. <laughs> Tossing them dollar bills, yo. All right, that's going to wrap it up for us, guys. Season is getting closer and closer. We're going to have another podcast out Wednesday. If you want to get in touch with us, we're on Twitter at Bucks underscore Observer. We've got a Facebook page. Look us up there. I can be reached by email at mollybay at buccaneersobserver.com. Ralph can be reached at ralph at buccaneersobserver.com. And we're on the World Wide Web at buccaneersobserver.com. Until next time. Go Bucks! <laughs>